should write a book, Fry. People need to know about the can eat more. I'm getting this book on UFOs. Did you know they're real? But there's a huge comic conspiracy to cover it up. Oh, that's just a paranoid fantasy. I want to be a book. You can pick me up, flip through my pages, make sure nobody drew wieners in me. Welcome to the Not Your Grandmother's Book Club Podcast, where we read them so you don't have to, because they gave us a hate nickname, the Not, the not Your Grandmother's Fart Club. Okay. I couldn't get through without laughing. I don't even know if that joke's going to be relevant when this episode comes out. It's it, already been forgotten. We don't know when forgotten. the episode's coming out. The episode's also, already been forgotten. <laughs> I was talking today about um, like Twitter stuff. And you remember the dude, the Richmond, north of, north of Richmond dude? Uh-huh. I forgot he existed. <laughs> and then I saw a reference to him. And this was, that was like two months ago. And he was gone from my brain. Like, fully gone. <laughs> well, audience, yeah. it's a reference to Eve Fartlow. Uh, my name is Kevin. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Benedict. Or as he's now known, Benedict Fartlebatch. Benedict! Mm-hmm. See, we got a theme. What's your boba? What boba are you drinking? Uh, normal? I don't know. I don't really drink boba. Come on! Who hates on boba? I don't hate it. I just never uh, consciously get it. Like, if it's put in front of me, I will drink whatever kind. I get um, it semi-regularly because the uh, the Asian grocery store I go to yeah, uh, has yeah, a, yeah. a boba shop inside of it. So I'll stop there when uh, I'm okay. there. Yeah, it's just, it's not really my thing. What's yours? Taro. I like the taro flavor. That's the purple one. Cause I, yes, because I'm a child. Because yeah, yeah. I'm a child at heart. And we yeah. all, we purple all... milkshake, give me purple drink. <laughs> it's basically just a purple milkshake. It's so yeah. good, though. It's yeah. so good. It is good. I like it. And then every time I'm like, what is tapioca? And I always forget. Um, <laughs> you didn't grow up it. on like tapioca pudding? That wasn't the yeah, thing Yeah, but like, what household? is it? It's, it's uh, the root of, I want to say like, is it the cassava tree? You um, spot on. Well done. Yeah, I gotta Google it. Oh, did I get it right? I did get yeah, it right. No, yeah, no, that's hell it. yeah. It's yeah, the yeah. root of the cassava. I know. I only know because I cook with it every now and then. Um, yeah. Because I, I so I mentioned last week I used to for law school make uh, baked goods the uh, first class every week. I still do that as a lawyer. I make baked goods and bring them in on Monday every week. Um, and I always try and accommodate people with like certain food allergies and things. So some people have celiac or whatever. Every now and then I will, uh, make some, use some tapioca flour to make some, um, gluten-free, uh, baked goods that I'll bring in. Interesting. Uh, so I use it a, a decent amount. Anyway. So I, I, I cook with you. Like I, it's the same as yucca and I eat yucca fries. Yeah. I like, I make yucca fries, but, um, but I, you I, like, didn't I, know. I didn't know that that is where tapioca flour comes from because <laughs> what kind of maniac names the flour a different thing than the thing it's made from? Who it's called corn knows? flour, not barracuda flour. <laughs> like, anyway, it's called harmony, Benedict. Anyways, that's, yeah, that's a different type of corn, and we both know that. You probably know. What I it do. Is. We do here on this program. Some folks folks who don't know where tapioca comes from yep they might not know exactly what it is we do here to them i would say 
the show where we go deep, 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 to plumb the depths of right-wing thought by reviewing a chapter from work of conservative literature. And in between, taking a look at other examples of the right, doing their best to make America hate again. Start us off, Benedict. Do you have a hot take for us this week? I do. Big Tech is trying to ruin our friendship I have forgotten podcast. about that, and it's only been about two minutes. <laughs> I've forgotten already. Maybe the problem is us and not how fast <laughs> the discourse moves. Maybe we're just getting old and can't remember things. It's For me, it's the CTE. That's what's doing. Yeah, that, that's probably, yeah, that high school football mm-hmm. that transitioned into rowing. Um, that's, yeah, anyway. Um... <laughs> We'll get onto that. Call forward. No, some someone, some somewhere, either Google or Apple, is disappearing, memory holing, you might say, texts between me and Kevin, where wherein I ask him, "Did you release today's episode?" Man, it's not my fault. You're not on the Verizon 5G worldwide super 5G the Uwu, 5G Uwu network. The 5G U. Okay, I petition here and now that we name that little thing what has the 5g and the u and the w next to it i don't care what those words what those letters stand for it's 5g uwu it's ultra wide it's it's no it's absolutely 5g uwu that's what it is that's fine and you know they would sell a whole lot more phones if they just started calling it 5g uwu they need to take my marketing advice big tech is censoring me or you And therefore, uh, we've been cancelled and we'll be coming to a college campus near you <laughs> at any moment. Do we get anyway, a special was, membership card that gets us into no. a, a creepy back room? with? Uh, I was trying yeah. to ask Kevin if he'd release the episode, which he had not. And I made not a mistake to, not, scheduling. Not to drop him in it, but yeah. I, I, and I, look, points for me. I noticed the episode wasn't out. <laughs> Which I, it's unusual, to be honest. It's strange, because uh, you rarely ever listen to our episodes well, after Well, I out. actually listen on the Patreon feed, so oh, I get the early that. releases, so <laughs> I don't actually have to subscribe to it in my podcast app. Um, anyway, yeah, what's your hot take? Apart from the fact that we've been cancelled. Yes, we have been cancelled. Uh, 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 we have uh, emails pending to Ben Shapiro. Uh, <laughs> I am incredibly jealous of people who can dance. And Ooh, this is okay. like, I guess maybe. Okay, no, no, no. Hold on. I need to, I, I, I have questions. Okay. Well, let me just say this, this is because you'll get an idea what I'm talking about. Probably a theme for today's episode of things that are way past their prime in the current memory uh, data banks of the public. Uh, but I think you know exactly what I'm talking about. No, I don't. How do you not? The, okay. The Jungle Back on 74 music video that came out. A couple weeks I, or months ago? I don't know what that is. It, it tore everything. Everyone was doing the dance from it. Everyone was doing the dance. I don't know. You spent too much time on TikTok, and I think we all know that. True, but I don't um, care. <laughs> so I, my question to you was going to be, Do you are, you are you envious, jealous? Do you have a jealous streak of people that have a natural rhythm and, and can dance unbound, unprompted? Or are you jealous of choreographed I am dancing? jealous of people who have trained extensively and are incredibly... Sure. So, you know, at Berkeley, I don't think you ever met the person I was dating at Berkeley. I don't think you met her. Um, I don't think But so. I was dating someone who was in a theater program and was a dancer. Um, and then she went on to get a, uh, a job with a, a touring Broadway production after we graduated. Uh, also after we broke up. But... Uh, like so, I learned a lot about dance just from being around her and like mm. went going to some some dance event thing. I don't know what they're called shows. I guess like shows. showcase sometimes. Sure. Yeah, it depends. It depends what like type, it depends what it is. But yes. And then that music video, which I will make you watch when we get off the show, uh, for the back on seventy four. By the way, the whole new Jungle album is fantastic, and they keep releasing videos for every song on their YouTube and everything. Go check them out. They're all amazing. The entire crew they have dancing 
for this album is spectacular. But there's something about someone who you can tell they thought about how they would flex a certain muscle in their arm mm. to deliver a certain idea or message or, or concept. It's incredible. It's really incredible. I wish I had that sort of talent, and I just flatly don't. I absolutely mm. don't. I'm not the dancing type. It's not, it's not an ability that I have. But uh, very sure. jealous of it. Very, very jealous of it. Because, I mean, there, there's something to, to simply moving with confidence. Oh, I uh, move with confidence. I shouldn't. Sure. I okay. shouldn't. But no. I do move okay. with confidence. So you move with the confidence <laughs> of the man, the white man that you are. Exactly. <laughs> you, you move with the energy of a father. <laughs> is what you do. Yes, I do dance. A father of three. <laughs> <laughs> a very uh, tired father. Who knows that he has already attracted his mate in life <laughs> and does not need... To further seduce anybody. All right, now we just um, need to re-record that with a Jacques Cousteau track <laughs> over it, and uh, we got it. Yeah. No, but like, I know what you mean, and, and like the you know when I uh, was younger as well, I did theatre, and you can probably tell from the need for self-love, not self-love, <laughs> but validation that I have. Ben um, gets plenty of self-love. Don't worry about that. Plenty of that validation, external love. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, but just like the like i never danced i did acting mm-hmm. um i can't sing so i was like i won't sing i won't dance no music for me only only soliloquies <laughs> shakespeare it is um, explains a lot about you it does explain a lot about me but th- like the poise with which people move even with the, when they're not dancing you're like oh that person can dance yes. like yes. like that like, it's incredibly especially hot. especially ballet it, like just like the way people walk around when they do ballet it's like even when they're not dancing you're just like oh that person just knows how to stand mm-hmm. so that they look elegant that's nuts also ballet ballet is horrible and no one should do it it's like an absolute like it's awful like yeah. the people yeah. who the, what people go through as ballet dancers is inhumane yeah Oh, I'll tell you another story. Before we are, we're getting so long into the beginning of this episode here, it doesn't That's matter. Fine. This it, can be a tidbit. This is for while you're on vacation. This, this is for while you're on vacation. The people are <laughs> yeah. going to enjoy it. But yeah. <laughs> uh, another uh, past girlfriend of mine, uh, before I went off to Berkeley. We get it. You dated hot chicks. I did. <laughs> but her mom was a ballet dancer from the Philippines who was forced to dance for, uh, um, uh, why am I blanking on the name of the dictator? Uh, oh, but Marcos? Yeah, was Ferdinand forced to Marcos? dance for them for uh for Imelda. Oh, like cool. had to had to perform for Imelda. And like she had some fucked up stories. Her mom had some real fucked up stories. Wow, fucked up stories about Ferdinand and Imelda Marcos. <laughs> Who would have possibly imagined? <laughs> Who could imagine such a thing? Anyways, everyone go check out the Jungle Back on 74 video. Uh we'll... everyone go check out the Wikipedia page for Imelda Marcos. <laughs> You will some, find some fucked up stories. Go look at some pictures of her shoes. Uh, anyways, Benedict, what is on your bookshelf this week? Uh, on my bookshelf, did I do? I, maybe I did this last week. Actually, I'm gonna do something else. I don't remember. Um, what I did, last did I do Flower of Evil already? The Korean show. God, I feel like you I did. Do sounds I'm gonna do. To I'm me. gonna do. Uh, well, if I didn't say that, then that that's fun. Um, and if I didn't, then A Tree Grows in Brooklyn, which is just a good book. Um, highly highly recommend it it's good fun it's cool yeah 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 it's good it's it's just it's just a good Mm semi-autobiographical work of fiction it's fun read it it's good good times um what about you for me benedict another video game uh stardew valley man i i've had the first like relaxed week i've had in months from work i've been playing a lot of video games stardew valley is just something i can play for an entire afternoon and it's it's so good like i played it back when it first came out there's been so much added to that game since back then. 
It's just a calm mm-hmm. farming game and crafting, and oh, it's just so great. I love it. I love everything about it. Everyone, if you haven't played Stardew Valley, which, come on, you have, uh, go check it out. It's a whole lot of fun. Anyways, Benedict, on to housekeeping this week. Remember to rate, interview us on the iTunes. Follow us on the social medias at NYGBCPod on Twitter and at NYGBCBen. Uh, we have no updates this week and also no one to induct because we are doing this as a pre-record weeks ahead of when this episode will come out uh, because this is one for when Benedict is going to be on vacation in Japan. We're all jealous of him. I've told him many times already. You can tweet at him about how jealous you are uh, and that he doesn't deserve a trip to Japan anyways. Uh, because he is slacking off for one of the two weeks he's uh, out and not going to have an episode That was out. your opportunity to be like, because he doesn't have <laughs> enough stars on iTunes. That was, <laughs> you, that was a natural way to I do it. I forgot I was planning to bring that back. <laughs> Anyways. But, of course, you all, in my eyes, you're all members of the Snoopy World New World Order. <laughs> Even that, you do it the wrong way around. <laughs> There's the only one way to do it. There's really only one, only one way to do it uh, because uh, Glenn Beck is wrong and I am correct. Someday I will get the clip put back into the computer. Someday I'll. Do you, it. I just don't believe you. I also found another clip the other day that I was like, "Oh, this one's so good. I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in there. It's so fantastic." Anyways, if you would like to join the Spooky World New World Order, bleh, tweet or post about the show on social media, recommending it to others, and send me a screenshot or tag us in it. Leave us a five star review wherever you can, and drop me a screenshot to let me know. Make a donation to a worthwhile charity, become a patron, or. Just get my attention with something good. With all that out of the way, Benedict, we continue our book review of Manhood by Josh Hawley, a man who has made a career out of accidentally seeing Finster once and being confused about his feelings ever since. That's not a joke for you, Benedict. That is a joke for a very distinct portion of our audience who will love everything about it. (laughs) Uh, But Benedict, let's fire it off with our Josh Hawley clip of the week from... Clip of the week... The theme song for the clip of the week. <laughs> <laughs> can oh, you tell we just re- can you tell we just recorded two days ago and we're a bit uh, a bit out of sorts putting this yeah, one together? It's all fine. Benedict, this clip comes from January fourth, twenty twenty one. I still got you going theme song from the clip of the week. <laughs> I can't stop laughing. All right, it'll get put into the machine. Oh, thank God. Okay. Anyways, Benedict, January 4th, 2021. Can't think of anything important about that date, but let's see no. what Josh Hawley had to say when he stopped it on Fox News. What is the ultimate goal here? Uh, you've talked about it a little bit differently than Senator Cruz has. Uh, what Are you trying to overturn the election as it stands now and to keep President Trump in the White House as of January 20th? What I'm trying to do, Brett, is to raise the concerns that my constituents have all all over Missouri. I have heard from people like I've never heard before over the last month about this election. They have major, major concerns about the integrity, the fairness of this election, and they expect me to stand up. Yes, because Josh was ginning up their fears about the election. Yeah. They also, had why would you have heard election? about the? Why would you have heard from your constituents about an election before when you've only been in office for since 2016? And to raise those, those concerns, and this is the only forum I have to do it. This is the forum. No, it's the not. Constitution and the You're statute- doing it now. Okay, Benedict, you gotta you gotta give it a sec because there's a part of this that is insanely <laughs> weird. Uh, well, not that insane, but it's weird, and it's that Josh gets some pushback. From, oh, really? From Fox, okay. from Brett Bayer. Was it? No, it's not. You're doing it now. I'm 
Bait, is that the pushback? Man, you'll hear it in a sec. It's weird. Statutes provide, and they also want action. They want an investigation into these irregularities. Uh, they want uh, new election laws to make sure that our elections are secure going forward. This is my chance to stand up and speak for them, and somebody has got to take their concerns seriously and speak up, and that's what I'm going to do. So does that mean that you do not expect that you will be able to change the outcome in this process at all? Well, Martha, I can only speak for myself and... and I think that's Martha... Is McCallum her last name, or am I confusing no her idea. with a senator I or have, something? I have blissfully never watched no. Fox News. My own vote. You know, my colleagues in the Senate, you've seen various Senate Republicans say they won't support, they either won't object to any states or, or they won't support uh, any challenge, any debate to any of these electors. Uh, so their votes are their votes, and, and people have to reach their own conclusions. But I think it is absolutely imperative. When you look at something that happened, or like what happened in Pennsylvania, for example, where you had a state that didn't even follow its own constitution and its own laws, you've got... Uh, so that's false as determined by the Supreme, Supreme Court, Court of the state of Pennsylvania, as a matter of fact. Allegations of irregularities in that state and many others, it is vital that we be heard on this issue and we have a chance to debate it. And that's why I'm going to object. Can I just say, you know, that um, the Pennsylvania situation is so specific, and I think it, it, it gets a lot of traction with people when you take a look at it. It makes sense. I think people are very surprised that the Supreme Court was not interested in it. Do you think that if the, the White House or the campaign had focused on Pennsylvania alone rather than a, a, a strategy? They still would have lost the election even if they got Pennsylvania. Yeah, which they couldn't. Yeah. Like, just sort of throw everything at and the, the wall. Uh, uh, and, and, and sorry. To be clear, that's why they didn't just focus on Pennsylvania, right. because the objective was to overturn the election. Right. See what's stuck in all these states, that they might have gotten further with this process? Well, Martha, they tried to go to court in Pennsylvania. The Trump campaign did, and so did other yeah. Pennsylvania citizens, and they were thrown out. The, the, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court What about Court the rule of law, Josh? It's called, what about accepting Supreme Court decisions? It's called losing, Josh. And I don't remember if Pennsylvania is one of the states that um, uh, they lost on standing. But I think so. But, like, that's the first thing you go... Like, standing... A, a court literally cannot hear a case unless it has standing. A, case, a court has an independent duty, even if the issue is not raised by the parties, to determine whether or not it has standing to hear a case. Mm -hmm. And any lawyer going in for a harebrained bullshit move like this would know, and I think it's part of the reason why they didn't even really try to put together good cases for standing, finding the right sort of plaintiffs they would have actually needed... Because they knew none of these cases had any merit to begin with. No legs. Absolutely no Improperly. legs. Improperly. Here's the, here's the gist of it. Pennsylvania politicians changed the law about mail-in balloting. The Pennsylvania Constitution doesn't allow universal mail-in balloting. They went ahead. The Pennsylvania Constitution is entirely silent about universal mail-in balloting, to my, yeah, to my knowledge. Not a thing right. that would have been in the Constitution because if that's not how elections work. Elections used to work completely differently, and then we all decided to change them. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Went ahead and changed it anyway. Then the Trump campaign right. tried to go to court to say, hold on, hold on, and the court threw him out without even hearing the right, substance. Senator, but so the, so this the Supreme is why. Court didn't take up that. That case either they did not take up the quick case the the supreme court we've seen it's brett bear saying the supreme court of the united states chose not to hear an appeal from the yeah. state uh, the supreme court of the state of pennsylvania which he's correct on 
Courts across the country deal not only with not the standing of different cases, but also the evidence, and some of them Trump, Trump judges. I just want to pin you down on, on what you're... This is so weird to hear a Fox News personality. I think Brad Byer does this occasionally. I, like, from, from, what I, I, from what I understand, he does push back when it makes sense to push back. He's not one I'm terribly familiar with. Uh, because mainly when I look at Fox News, I'm looking at like the primetime lineup, which he's not yeah, on. Yeah. So I, I don't know much about his political leanings, but I'd suspect... I've definitely seen a few videos of him pushing back on okay. stuff, definitely. Yeah, like, yeah. Not that he's good, like, uh, you know, yeah. I don't know. but like... I mean, he's doing the literal bare minimum here. Yeah. Bare minimum. What you're trying to do, you know, are you trying to say that as of January 20th, that President Trump will be president? Well, that, de that depends on what happens on Wednesday. I mean, this is... So, yes. So, in other words, yeah. yes. That if is I, what he's it, trying The answer to is, say. if I can get away with it. Yes, exactly. This is why we have the debate. No, it this doesn't. I mean, the states, the by the Constitution, say they certify the election. They did certify it. Yeah, by they the had already certified Congress it. Congress doesn't have the right to overturn the certification, at least as most experts read it. Well, Congress is is directed under the Twelfth Amendment to count the electoral votes. There's a statute that dates back to the nineteen to the eighteen hundreds, rather nineteenth yeah, century. Yeah, and they submitted them said, for the count. Yeah, that there is a right to object. I mean, let, well, like let's not play Josh's games. We all know there were no legitimate grounds for challenging any no. of the, the fucking electoral votes. We all know that. But that's You're the making game me listen to, to it. I'm gonna say things about it. <laughs> I hear you. There's a right to be heard, and there's also a certification right, process. That's from we 1876, required... Senator, and it's it's right. the the Tilden Hayes race uh -uh. in which there were three states that did not certify their. The weirder thing to me is that Brett Bayer is fucking prepared. That is yeah. the weirder thing to me yeah. about all of this. Yep. They're electors. So Congress was left to come up with this system, this commission that eventually got to a negotiated grand bargain. But now all of the states have certified their elections as of December 14th. So it doesn't, by constitutional ways, open a door to Congress to overturn that, does it? Well, no, I'm talking about the statute, Brett. There's a statute that says that governs what Congress does on January the 6th. He's referencing the Electoral Count Act, which, God, how much do we all know about this process now just because More of More than shit I would like show. to. Yeah. And it says that we have a vote of certification and that we have to we have the opportunity to debate the results to certify the results we count no. them and then we certify yep nope nope there's nothing That's in wrong. there about a duty no you, to debate you count them. what has been submitted to you yes Oh, Benedict, I think that's about all we need of that sure. because we have more than enough josh holly to go around today Benedict, why don't we begin with chapter four titled a man's promise and do you yeah. have an alternate chapter title for us? This I week? do. And I was disappointed because it's very nearly um, an anagram for like inspire moms. <laughs> but it's it's not quite. Um, so I've got How, inspire Did you plug Amos. those letters into an anagram maker no, or what? I, no, Are no, you just I, good with anagrams I like just, that? I, I, I'm just good with anagrams. <laughs> I wrote it out. It's in, in spare ammo is anyway. Is okay. the, uh, yeah. Um, so not quite, but anyway, it's this is the I'm so inspiring chapter. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have two. I have two alternate chapter titles for us this week. Um, first, real manhood has never been tried in any country. <laughs> uh, and second, Stanford Collegiate Rowers, the true everyman. <laughs> and the chapter begins, we'll very quickly learn why that's relevant. Quote, 
In college, I took up rowing. Okay. So you took up rowing, Josh. This is perfect. Yes. I am so happy. Oh, were you? Okay. Uh, when I read this chapter, I went, oh my God, finally a chapter we can do something with. Finally, yeah. not a fucking mess and a well, nightmare. I know about rowing because I. <laughs> because you have that accent. <laughs> have been rowing. <laughs> My school taught rowing. My university taught rowing. Uh-huh. I have occasionally been known to row. You are I'm right. not anything approaching a rower. Having said that, I've probably rowed as much as Josh Hawley. You're handy with an oar, as they say. I, I am a mean oar <laughs> handler. Anyways. An oar handler of note. No note. Josh. Something. Josh continues... Uh, I'll just start from the beginning again. In college, I took up rowing, largely by accident. No, you didn't. No. no you Josh. can't accidentally take up rowing. There's it's no impossible. Such thing. There's nope. so many steps mm-hmm. to getting in a boat. It's very intentional. Literal steps to get it because boats at the water. You Literally, walk you have to you know. carry it. You have to carry the boat to the water. Whole you can't thing. accidentally be like you, like, you can't keep I the boat in the water. I fell and now I'm a coxswain. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna use this opportunity to tell one of my favorite jokes again. Okay. Um, and it, it, there's a British show called Just a Minute. Uh huh. Um. And it, it's where you have to like talk for a minute on a subject without hesitation, deviation, or oh, nice. repetition. I could do that. I could. I could win that. I job. know you can. Um, but there's a there's one about row rowing, and that someone interrupts and is like uh, at the end, or or to like uh, try and take the subject away from someone. And sometimes they interrupt because they've spotted a mistake, and sometimes they interrupt just for a laugh. Mm-hmm. And someone was talking about the the boat race and the coxswain. Obviously, in in the UK at least, it's called the cox. Um, mm-hmm. For short, and they interrupted to say, of "Is course. it true that the queen has to kiss the cocks of the winning crew?" <laughs> it's a great joke. It's a it's great, a great joke. Great joke. Great joke. Uh, where the fuck was I in this text? Sorry, rowing by accident. <laughs> On the first day of the fall quarter, freshman year, I was making my way from my dormitory to the university's main quadrangle. You fucking dick. Call it a quad. Call it a quad. For what they call... (laughs) We've all been to fancy universities, Josh. It's a quad. (laughs) Everyone calls it a quad. All three of us. All three of us here here have been to fancy colleges. You, me, and Josh. We've all been to them. Uh, I was making my way from a dormitory to the quadrangle for what they called freshman convocation. As I was walking along, an older student stopped me. You look like you played sports in high school, he said. A sentence nobody has ever uttered. Well, you know, I think Josh might not have realized he was being hit on. Uh, That's the only thing I can arrive at. Hey, big guy. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Big boy. Hey, you want to come handle an oar? I said I had. Football. Have you ever rowed, he asked. I had no idea what he... By the way, this is fucking Stanford. Stanford. If this story has any connection to reality, he walked past the rowing team recruiting table on the quad. Like, that's how this came up, if this story is real or not. I don't know. I told him I'd used oars in a boat before, if that was what he was getting at. I love, oh God, I just realized it too now as I'm, as I'm going back through this. This reads like everyone is trying to do innuendo, but not yeah. really getting it across. Well, I've, uh, I've, I've been known to, uh, to fondle some oars, if, if you know what I'm saying. If that's what you're talking about, yeah. It really does sort of read like <laughs> You that. ever been inside a shell before? <laughs> well, 
<laughs> I got a shell you can climb in. Uh, <laughs> but he meant competitive rowing mm. in one of those long, thin boats they call shells that can hold as many as eight people. It's nine, actually, including, <laughs> their, co- include, including their cocks. Including the cocks. I think that would be 16, actually, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> he said the college was holding tryouts for the men's rowing team the next day. He handed me a flyer and invited me to come along. So, yeah, I've realized something about this book now because of this chat. We're on the fourth one, right? Josh it, has thought... Here's a pointless story that doesn't have any yes. relevance to the rest of the chapter about how cool I am, and then that's it. <laughs> he has to start every chapter with a pointless story. <laughs> chapter one, this is how smart I am. Chapter <laughs> two, this is how nice my family is. Chapter three... I'm good at sports, but my friend died. Chapter four, I'm good at sports and got hit on in the Stanford <laughs> quad. Also, oh, good at coaching. Genesis. Good at coaching. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's, that's what this story today is really trying to lead us into, apparently, is the fact that, well, he didn't coach at Stanford because he kind of sucked and he only did it for a semester or, or whatever they did. I Was it quarter? I don't know what they did at Stanford. It's Stanford. Who cares? Also, uh, sorry, how did you dislocate your shoulder rowing? Like, I don't know if he did it rowing, but... It, uh, oh, it's because like... Josh is a soy boy. <laughs> Very clearly a soy boy. You know, the, the soy, uh, it seeps into the tendons and ligaments um, and weakens them from the inside. That's why you can't eat all that soy. You haven't been uh, watching your jo- uh, Paul Joseph Watson? You no. Uh... Anyway, he did this to make <laughs> friends. Did it for, he says, half a year. Uh-huh. Uh, Though his stint was uneventful. Rowing is never uneventful. You fall in the water a bunch and you nearly (laughs) die every time you do it. Have you ever seen people row competitively? They go kind of fucking fast. (laughs) Fucking brutal. It is one of the most brutal, like, exercises you can do. It is one of the most full body things. Like, if you're man, I've used a rowing machine at the gym. So basically, I'm an expert when you think about it. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it like even that is fucking hard. Like as cardio goes, it is a fucking nightmare. Oh yeah, it's definitely one of the hardest cardios yeah. out there. Like nobody, if you're like if it, you know, if you're going easy, you might you know go 10, 20 minutes or something. But like if you're going full out, like you're gassed within yeah. a minute or two. Yeah, it's like exactly. playing hockey. Like you can only be out on the ice for like ninety seconds at most, and then you're done. Exactly. Uh, but he continues. I was glad for the experience, though, especially when I found myself back on the water a few years later coaching a rowing team. This was in the year between college and law school when I was in England on a teaching fellowship. So Right, let's uh, fucking go. Apparently, what was he wasn't at Eton, right? He was at, uh, what was it, St. John's or something is where he was teaching uh, in England? I forget. St. St. Something. Uh, St. Dickheads. Who cares? No, no, St. Paul's. Paul's fine, right. fine. So he was teaching grade school rich kids in the uk how to row it feels weird yeah but so here's the thing that school they've Mm -hmm. been rowing since they were five like if they're on the rowing team they do not need josh hawley as a fucking coach (laughs) like that that is literally laughable like they're they're the the oars are an extension of their arms and that like if they're on the third boat that is, like, they row competitively and will go on to row for, like, their colleges, for okay. sure. So, yeah, he, t- so, he tells us it was the third third eight, whatever the fuck that means. I guess you said third boat. Um, yeah, so it's like the third team, essentially. Okay. Like, it's like it, it, it's kind of like he explains it. He's explaining it in very, like, uh, broad strokes. It's mm-hmm. kind of like junior varsity. Okay. It, so, 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 essentially, like, 
the fact that there are tw- like 24 plus people who row competitively at the school shows you how ridiculous a school this is. Yeah. Like that, you know, that, and, and there'll be probably like double that that don't make the teams. So it's like, yeah, like ki- kind of like junior varsity level in the sense that they would lose to the best people, but they would still beat us by like miles. I don't know. I can throw a mean punch. Uh, I yeah. don't know if they'd, uh, I, if I can reach them across the water, I, I think I can take them. Uh, rowing is a no holds barred fighting sport, right? No. Oh, okay. Got the wrong thing in my mind. Anyways, he starts telling us about coaches he has had in the past now, starting with Tom Hayes, who coached me in middle school. Continue down a, a little bit later. He was also my principal, and he used to take. This is the weird. This is this is weird. Yeah. This no, he weird. didn't. No, no. Or or and this continues a theme with Josh Holly. Josh having highly highly. Um, uh, inappropriate relationships with people who are in, of very different ages than him. And power seems, that, yeah. Seems to be a trend with him. It, it, we learned this time it also goes uh, the other way. Before it's just been him with people younger than him. Now we learn it goes the other way. But he says, he was also my principal and he used to take me along with him on his rounds through the school. Visiting classrooms, picking up litter in the halls, fixing leaky windows, doing whatever needed to be done. He was like my grandpa in that way, teaching by doing, by demonstrating. He demonstrated to me that there was no task beneath his dignity. Why were you following the principal around school? Weren't you in class? Like, what were you doing? It would seem like that's where a school child would be. Yeah. I, I think he just made a story up, if I'm just being honest about it. But he has a quote he attributes to that prior principal, who is probably dead now and can't say whether this ever actually happened or not. It is, quote, I won't live to see you do all that you will do in this life, he once told me. But I know you'll change the world. Shut the fuck up. No, he did not say Didn't that to you. Didn't fucking say it. Didn't fucking yeah. say it. And then he tells us about Tony Severino, the next coach. I, I, I love the framing of this because it's like, these men changed my life because mm-hmm. they were great coaches. <laughs> I too changed lives. Like literally that is... <laughs> That is how this is being framed. And I was like, surely that's not the direction he's going to go. And then it is. And it's great. And then he tells us immediately how bad a coach he was. Yeah. Yeah. Again, because these motherfuckers don't need coaching. They are so much better than you at rowing. You rowed for half a year. These people have been doing this for like 10 years minimum. Yeah. Uh, But Tony Severino, I did bother to look up. And apparently he's... Big enough to have his own Wikipedia page. Oh, fine. Because remember that uh, Josh went to an elite all-boys Catholic high school in Kansas City, uh, and those are the kind of football coaches who get to have their own Wikipedia pages. This everyman Josh Hawley, of course, going to that school. Uh, But, uh, yeah, he was like, he won championships in both Kansas and Missouri is like something like, yeah, he coached from 19, yeah, 1983 to 2019. No mention of Josh Hawley on there. And I think Josh Hawley told us he wasn't like, the greatest on the football team. I think it's just Josh trying to connect himself to, like, Missouri royalty of some sort, is mm-hmm. what it seems like. Anyways, he goes back and tells us about his own experience coaching those elite athletes who didn't need him in the UK. Uh, and he, ta- he, he, he invents a name again, to not use these people's real names. He says, an older neat teammate. Uh, this is like, Josh yelled in a weight room. Why are you yelling in a weight room, Josh? Feels like you should maybe examine what makes you yell at children. I don't know. Maybe that could be relevant to the entire topic of this book you're writing here. Who knows? But he says, Michael, uh, who was a strong rower and respected on his team, but generally quiet and detached, suddenly engaged. Well, also, sorry, can I just say, like, rowing Mm -hmm. doesn't require a lot of coaching. 
Like, no. it is, it is so like, and like it does, it, it requires chemistry and mm-hmm. practice together yeah. and timing and all that stuff. Does but often that feel like comes... a metronome could replace the coach though. Yeah, it all comes <laughs> from within the boat. So like the coach's job is literally to be like, you're falling behind, like to watch from the side and be like, basically like it's about the pacing and the timing so it's like you're falling out of rhythm the josh holly book gave you an opportunity to be even more pretentious than you were before i I love as i've said as i've said before it's not pretentious if you're not pretending um (laughs) (laughs) that's something someone said to me at oxford and i've never ever ever been able to forget it (laughs) let's be honest that's a fantastic line though so wanky um i don't know i I know exactly who told you that like i'm picturing them in my mind i know it's not (laughs) boris johnson but it's boris Boris johnson Johnson. yeah yeah it was um where the fuck were we (laughs) oh my god we told ourselves hey we got a short chapter this week it is 10 pages we're gonna get it done in under an hour it's gonna be great and then we fuck ourselves over well it's always my fault whenever i'm like it's a short chapter i'm like i can riff and then (laughs) then i riff too hard i riff too close to the sun um But like, okay, so he's like on the whiteboard. There's no whiteboarding in rowing other than like telling people what seat they're going to sit in. All right. So if you see this diagram here, the X is the oar and the O is the water. And you want to put the X in the O. Step one, X in the O. Yeah. And do it in a figure eight. But like by the time, (laughs) like these people already know that. Like, yeah. That that these these are seasoned rowers. They don't need a half year experienced Mm -hmm novice rower to tell them how to row that's right you call josh a novice fucking he is. novice uh, he is. But and so- on- a rowing ingenue <laughs> if you will <laughs> the story i was gonna read section doesn't even matter it doesn't fucking matter i'm not yeah. even gonna go through it we're just gonna skip it <laughs> basically josh like oh this this student he was nice to somebody and then i learned that i shouldn't be a dick to the people he was like oh he was previously very quiet and then was then supportive and i was like oh that's a good man like yeah don't assume he wasn't because he was quiet dickhead maybe he was quiet because he didn't want to talk to you maybe it's you maybe you're the problem josh anyways so getting to the the meat of the chapter he tells us he gives us like a basic summation of what he's going to be talking about here he says quote of course mention men leadership and power in the same breath these days, and you are liable to be swiftly denounced as a misogynist or worse. The Epicurean... I love that he is hanging on to the Epicurean thing. Yeah. I really do. It's so good. Sees little to praise in male leaders. On the contrary, liberal voices portray masculine power as a disease in need of curing, as a particularly virulent social toxin. To the extent that they believe in something like the fall, this is their version of it masculinity is responsible their message to men is consequently shut up be passive abjure leadership work your office job consume lots of stuff and do as your betters instruct so again i will ask josh holly why is that why do people have to shut up and work their office job is it because of the left or is it because that's the capitalist that we've developed (laughs) yeah it is it's it, we go through this with every single book we do yeah these it's are like, written oh, by people close. like you, you you've diagnosed some of the issue 
Well, so that, the one thing is that they, they label the problems of capitalism as like problems of the left. The other yeah. one, the one that stuck out there to me, is pretending that they are someone who's never met a real leftist or even a fucking liberal. Like, just a mainstream, middle-of-the-road, milquetoast liberal. Who? Which one of them is telling men, be passive, work your office job, consume lots of stuff? Which one of them is fucking doing that? Oh, me. I do that. <laughs> oh, that's right. I forgot you have that set to uh, automatically tweet out twice a day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but then he tells us, the Bible issues men a different set of directives. In the face of Adam's failure, in the face of evil and human weakness, the Bible insists man's promise remains. God's answer is not to abandon his commission to men or to do away with manhood. His solution is to retrieve true manhood. To redeem it. And that's where I got my title, uh, True Man Has Never Been Tried in Any Country in the World. Mm. Uh, So yes, that brings us now to the first subsection of the chapter titled, The Case Against Masculinity. And he begins, quote, The Bible's view is not the conventional wisdom today, to say the very least. Plenty of people today argue that male leadership of any variety is the solution to nothing. It is the problem. Society's original sin. No Ooh. citations for any of this, of course. No. no, no, we have not gotten a single citation in this chapter yet. And the first one we're gonna get is great. Is oh wait, did we pass it? We might have passed. No, it. no. We oh yes, it. further it's, down it's the page. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, uh, continuing, these are the opponents of masculinity, and their voices have come to define an age. In the academy, masculine. And so, like, he's just going along in the academy. I'm, Im- I'm imagining the academy is the the Hollywood academy. Uh-huh. I mean, like, <laughs> that, that, that's it's not. That's not what he means. But he doesn't define what he means, so I can choose to believe it. He thinks that he's being creative. He doesn't realize how dumb his audience is. Like, he used the word abjure. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. Forswear. It means, Sure. I don't know what it means, and I have an advanced degree. I have no fuck. I would have had to look it up. I didn't bother to. Well, think about it. What are the Latin roots? Benedict, I never learned Latin. Fuck you. Yeah, okay. Uh Uh-huh. I didn't. But you, you learned law words, which is the same yeah, thing. I didn't learn Latin. We learned the phrases in Latin that we use as lawyers. Those are the ones that we learn. I don't learn what the actual Latin is, and I don't well, care to. What, what's a jury? Oh, okay, that's fine. What's a jury? <laughs> Ju- it comes from abjurare, is that it comes from the Latin to swear away, which for swear. Benedict, you know? I told you, I will consider your teaching Latin podcast idea. We will talk about it off the air. <laughs> this is the second time we've gotten to like Latin in like two weeks. So. <laughs> this book has so much for you. I don't know why. I know, it's good. Yeah, because I'm also a dick. <laughs> This runs back to the liberal focus on social oppression as the source of evil in the world. Rousseau hinted at this, as we've seen. Most, that sentence doesn't make sense. Why is that? I don't know why he, he structured that. I mean, it does, but it's dumb. He didn't but also, I, I wouldn't Never say that he demonstrated that. Ignore, yeah, of course. Uh, most modern day liberals are even more decisively influenced by Karl Marx. No, they're not. <laughs> Again, buddy. Just Nancy Pelosi has an office in your building. Go talk yeah. to her. She's like the the big liberal. She's the lib. Or She's maybe, the one. Like, maybe like, and I don't yeah, think she loves I, Marx all that much. Yes, in that Marx existed and like influenced subsequent thought. Uh huh. But like no, as in they've all read Marx and want to and a big freaking Marxist. I like, I don't think that the Democratic National Committee headquarters has a big bust of Marx sitting uh, in the the entryway lobby. No, but I might start a petition. <laughs> 
Good idea. Let's get that going. Let's see if we can raise the funds. Uh, Marx was a dedicated materialist following Epicurus. He believed material can... Benedict, I'm going to let that one pass. I'm going to let that okay. one pass, okay? I'm just going to let that one go because this is... Sure, that's hmm. funny. He believed material can... And also, one of the better... I'm going to let it pass. <laughs> okay, no, I'm quoting... I'm talking about what we're going to be reading in a second. One of the better simple explanations of Marx we've gotten. Obviously, he's throwing in distortions sure. there, he like the Epicurus stuff. materialist, yes. But this basic... These next two sentences... Uh, the given that Insane. most of what we've seen absolute shit okay i'm just gonna read it i'm just gonna read it okay uh, bu- 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 dedicated materialist following epicurus he believed material conditions determined man's beliefs and behavior sin if we can call it that and marx did not was a product of social forces in marx's case the relevant social forces were economic which he argued oppressed the working class okay very low bar Best definition of Marx we've gotten Yeah, I, from I any author like, we've read. If you replace sin with behavior, which sure. is what Marx would call it. Well, he acknowledges um, that that isn't what Marx would call well, it. Well, yeah, because yeah. that's not what anyone would call yeah, it. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but, Benedict, next part, we get into the fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. Oh. By the 1900s, a newer brand of Marxist concluded Marx was only half right. Western society was structurally oppressive, they agreed, but the truer source of that oppression was culture, not economics. Modern people needed to be liberated from outdated cultural ideas and systems, especially those connected with Christianity. That's where manhood comes in. That's not what Marxists think. Nope, but Benedict, it is what the next word he's going to use in this upcoming paragraph is. By the 1960s, these new... Cultural Marxists contended that the revolution... Yep, he uses cultural Marxists. He brings it in. Ding, 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 ding. He brings it in. Cultural Marxist is not a phrase that anyone uses to describe themselves. It is an epithet the right used, and it stems from a long-running anti-Semitic conspiracy theory going back to the Frankfurt School. Did we do an episode on it? I don't remember. as did calling people Marxists, like sure, even yeah. pre-cultural Marxists. There's a long <laughs> tradition of anti-Semitic calling people Marxists. Yeah, buddy, um, certainly the, was. We didn't, but we did talk about it when we did the Levin book because he called You're it right. Franklin. You're the, right. the, and we're going to have yeah. to do it before Ted Cruz's book. So we are going to have to dig into that at some point and talk about that. Maybe we'll do, I'll build that into the introduction episode or something. We'll talk about it. Uh, but continuing, these cultural Marxists contended that the revolution the Western world needed would come by throwing off the sexual conventions of the past. Sexual conventions sound fun to me. I don't know why we'd want to throw them off. Uh, get it? Convention? Like a convention center? You yep, go I get it, yeah. Big yeah, room. I, lots I'm of balloons. Got I, it. I understood. I just, I didn't, I thought you'd been funnier <laughs> earlier in the episode. I didn't, you know, I've hit a level and I have to maintain that level. Otherwise it's like... Oh god, oh god, Benedict's peaking, Benedict's peaking. (laughs) (laughs) They settled into American universities and began to take particular aim at manhood. Masculinity was just another oppressive social system. They said a patriarchy that imposed male dominance through the rules of public discourse, which men allegedly set, societal Mm. expectations, which men allegedly controlled, and family traditions, like male leadership in the home, all enforced by domestic abuse and other violence. That is correct. I mean, he says it's not true, but that all those things generally true. But that is where we get the first citation of the chapter. What is this, like 
three and a half, four pages in. I don't know. Oh, longer uh, than that. I think we're about six pages in. First citation to the chapter is Helen Pluckrose and James Lindsay. Cool. Cynical theories how activist scholarship made everything about race, gender, and identity and why this harms everybody. A peer-reviewed text. Oh, uh, would you be surprised to learn it's not? <laughs> uh, no. But that's fine. No. Nope. I don't want to talk about it even. Let's let, let's keep going. I don't, I don't necessarily either. He continues. But the revolutionaries eventually decided the problem wasn't just the system that produced masculinity. The problem was men. The American mm. Psychological Association were rehearsed. I don't know why he chose that word. That just seems so weird to me. Rehearsed precisely this view in 2019. Yeah, I feel like rehashed is more... Or resurfaced. Or maybe or... just stated. Just go with stated. Yeah. You don't have to get complicated if you don't need to get complicated. Uh, this view in 2019, opining <laughs> He's that... He's a legal writer. Of course he does. No, that, that'd be bad legal writing. We would edit that. Opining that traditional masculinity marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression is, on the whole, harmful. Ooh. Now, Ben, let me read you the full paragraph. From the uh, actual article that he's citing from the APA, which is like uh, uh, in in legal uh, worlds, we have CLEs, Continuing Legal Education. This is just a continuing education article the APA put out. Uh, and this is from like, I don't know, sixth or seventh paragraph. It says, quote, the main thrust of subsequent research is that tradi traditional masculinity, marked by stoicism, competitiveness, dominance, and aggression, is on the whole harmful. Men socialized in this way are less likely to engage in healthy behaviors. For example, a 2011 study led by Kristen Springer, Ph.D. of Rutgers University, found that men with the strongest beliefs about masculinity were only half as likely as men with more moderate masculine beliefs to get preventative health care. And in 2007, researchers led by James Mahalik, Ph.D. of Boston College, found that more, uh, more men conformed to mas the more men conformed to masculine norms, the more likely they were to consider as normal risky health behaviors such as heavy drinking, using tobacco, and avoiding vegetables, and to engage in these risky behaviors themselves. Avoiding vegetables. <laughs> That's so funny. So men are just like, men are hurting themselves. Is well, this is the funny thing. It's literally talking about health. It's talking yeah. about literal health. When it says that it's it's harmful, it means literally harmful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the article, I didn't read the whole article. I'm sure it goes on to talk about mental health issues of toxic masculinity, mm. but they're just talking about literal health there. People That's being, what's going thinking on. They, th people thinking they can tough it out yes. makes them yes. try and tough it out and then die. Absolutely. That is absolutely it. It's so cool. dumb that Josh is... Josh thought he had a big gotcha pulling that out of the APA. You know, the APA, how they're part of the massive conspiracy. And this is yep. all, you know, how it's, it's all one group behind the scenes who are the cultural Marxists who really run the world, who are putting mm -hmm. it on. Who, who are they, Benedict? I don't know. We won't answer that question today. Don't know. Uh, he continues, other academics and expert elites added that masculinity is naturally violent and domineering. Mm. Uh, and then he quotes from a Law Review article, which I didn't go check because I forgot my login to Hine Online, which is the place <laughs> I go. And I, I have it on my work computer, but I don't have it saved into Google for my personal okay. computer. So I'm like, oh, fuck, I'd have to go figure out what that password is. Not going to do it. So I didn't go check it, but it says... Uh, the quote from the article is, Violence is, of course, itself regarded as a badge of masculinity. That's the entirety of the quote. Mm. Like, I don't even think Josh, when he was having a sober moment, would disagree that masculinity as practiced in the United States, uh, you know, glori glorifies violence. I, I really don't think he would, but... Yeah, or even, I mean, masculinity as... Uh 
as glorified in the United States. Yeah, exactly. Features, features violence. I don't think even necessarily as practiced in the United States, I think you can make that argument, but like, I think masculinity as imagined or as it has entered the popular imagination in the, in, in the United States. He continues, and then there was the most serious charge of all. For those of an Epicurean persuasion that traditional masculinity limited the personal choices of those influenced by it. It impinged on the treasured Epicurean right to define your own truth. Which is just true. Just mm. It's just true. Because, hey, hey there, I lived through this. I was someone who was stuck in toxic masculinity, shoving mm-hmm. myself into a closet, pretending I'm not queer at all. Mm-hmm. That was me. See me waving, Benedict? I'm I waving. I'm waving. I see you. I'm and waving. Like a, like a good liberal, I see you and I hear you. Case study right here. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, skipping down a ways. And there you have it. To be a man is of itself to contribute to the supposed tyranny of the social order. It is to be trash. An entire generation of cultural Marxists and other liberals have drummed this theme into the head of anyone who will listen. Bum, bum, bum. Boring. Bum, bum, that brings us to the next bum. subsection, Benedict, the potential of leadership, which begins, quote, Genesis says unapologetically, by contrast, that God made men for good and he meant them to lead. Um, where, Josh? Because you don't have any citation. No citation. You have, on the next page, Genesis 1.28, which is just where God told Adam and Eve that they had, had control over the fish and, and birds. No and problem with leading stuff. fish. You can let men lead fish oh, yeah. to their heart's content. I, I, as, a, as a semi-official spokesman for the liberal left, uh, get them fish. Well, you know, if you, if you dangle some bait from the back of your shell as you're, yep. you're rowing in crew, <laughs> The fish will never catch you. You're going too fast. <laughs> It would take a marlin to catch you. No one else will get you. How fucking fast? How fast did they go? Not that fast. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it occurred to me. I actually have no idea how fast rowers go. I actually don't know how any yeah, of that works. It, it, it's not that fast, but it is pretty fast. Sure. He continues. The charge to lead or rule is the crowning command to humanity. It is the first thing God speaks to them on the first day they are created. And while modern liberalism says men bring dysfunction, Genesis says God intends man's leadership to bring life. And it's just that same thing, right? He doesn't... It's a straw man. Like, I I believe that Josh knows he's just making up the positions of invisible, unnamed leftists, right? Like, I, I, I think he knows that they're false. Because no, no one says that. No one... No. No one says that men are are only bring dysfunction. No, just like don't don't be Josh Hawley because yeah, don't be a prick because he to, does bring dysfunction. To, to answer your question, rowing rowing boats ten the fastest ones can reach eight miles an hour. Okay, that is significantly slower than I thought. Yeah, are you sure you didn't just Google like rowboat like a like no. a one person rowboat? Longer narrow rowing boats can reach seven knots. Eight I, miles an hour. That's pretty fast for a watercraft. Like, I don't know, man. I've seen a lot of videos of those sailboats that go real fast on the water. Yeah, there's a wind power. <laughs> Look, there's wind on any water. And uh, if you wear a baggy enough shirt, you can have some wind power on your That's rowing. That's true. Team. Yeah, they, they're, they're losing out by wearing all this lycra. <laughs> they, they, they should be making s- 
self-fashion sales. Let's just make this whole show about rowing. Come on, let's do it. Uh, he continues. Adam's power, like Adam's life, was to be devoted to serving the work of the garden, protecting his family, expanding the temple, bettering the world, worshiping God, blah, 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 blah. Adam elected instead to serve himself. And this is the first part where I got confused. Because, and I think I've realized that the, the root of my confusion is that Josh Hawley's a bad writer. Uh, mm. Because last chapter, he never told us any of the stuff he's going to say now that Adam abandoned all these things that God did. Because remember, when he talked about expanding the temple, right? Mm-hmm. The implication we got the entire time we were reading that chapter was God expelling at was that Josh was saying God expelling Adam from the temple was him telling Adam to go expand the temple into the rest of the world. That yep. was what both of us believed reading that. But yep. instead, because that was the way Josh wrote it. That's the mm-hmm. only way you could even possibly reach that outcome. It made yep. no sense otherwise. Mm-hmm. But Josh is now just either he's a bad writer and he didn't explain it right in the last chapter, or he's trying to paper over the fact that all these extrapolations he's made from like three sentences in Genesis mm-hmm. are complete bullshit and he's just hand-waving it away so nobody pays attention to that. Yeah, yeah. No, there's a lot of hand-waving. And okay. speaking of hand-waving, I'm going to hand-wave away the eight miles an hour and say instead 14 miles an hour. Oh, I did oh bit faster, huh? Yeah, bit a little faster. bit faster. Yeah, a little bit faster. Are you watching videos of rowing while we do this no, show? Is that no, what no, you're doing? No, I, I just, I Googled it. It's fine. Uh-huh. Okay. Everything's fine. I thought you were an expert. You wouldn't have to Google it if you were. I, I, I am. I just can't do math in my head. Sure. Look, I don't know what a knot is anyways, so I wouldn't be able it's to. It's a nautical mile per hour. Fine. Why can't Which it be? is different to a land mile. Why can't it be the same? It's the same. Because A mile is a mile. It can because, be the same. Because and and as with many things, because of the British Navy. Fuck you people. Fuck you people. I'm yeah. glad we seceded. <laughs> the United States will rise again. That, Maybe. <laughs> we'll see about that. Most likely not. <laughs> Seems wrong, but we'll see. But so yes, now he is telling us that Adam, by eating the apple or pomegranate, as it more, you know, whatever, he abandoned all of these duties that God set for him that Josh has not established existed prior to him being forced out of the... Because I talked about it already. Never mind. Mm-hmm. But he continues on to say, quote, most self-seeking amounts to the same sort of abdication as Adam. That's what he was talking about. Putting your wants and pleasures first is almost always a form of withdrawal. Unless it's not. Again, no examples, no citations, just him pulling of, shit off all, the dome. All of these last, like, five pages are just nuts fluff. and it's nonsense. It's fluff. Yeah. There's nothing to it. It's trying to connect everything back to Genesis again, mm-hmm. and it's very weird. But here's where I had a little bit of fun with this one. The irony is... Today's Epicureans offer men substantially the same bargain as the serpent. They tell men to forego leadership responsibility. Yeah, we love to give a bitch an apple. That's our, <laughs> that's our whole thing. Bitches love them some apples. <laughs> they tell men to forego leadership responsibility and to pursue self instead. Take no initiative, they counsel. Do not aspire to anything, but feel free to spend as much time as possible on screens or reconsidering your pronouns. Those are the two things we tell people. That's true. Yeah. Th- and actually, that's that's what the serpent told Eve. He was like, I had nothing to do on Saturday. Uh, and, and all I did I was screens and thinking about my pronouns. That's See, that sounds like something you might actually do. <laughs> 
To be fair, I do spend a significant part of my day in front of screens, but that's just because I have to type and see the words pop up on them. That's an entirely different issue. But this makes zero sense, obviously, right? What is he saying that the serpent did? Why? That's the part that doesn't make any sense to me. The serpent wasn't telling Adam, hey, just go, you know, you like sit on the ground. You don't need to like till the soil or anything. He was saying, eat this apple and you'll have knowledge. None of this connects. None of it connects. It's bad arguments. Knowledge of what your pronouns are. That makes sense, (laughs) I guess. Pronouns didn't exist before the snake. We learned that today. (laughs) Oh, boy. Then he goes on a long story about how he reads to his kids. And he lies to us about what his mom used to read to him. Because he says the stories she read to us. The Chronicles of Narnia particularly stand out. Benedict. The Chronicles of Narnia is not a book or a series that can be read to a child who cannot read. It's beyond the comprehension level of a child who cannot read and thereby needs to be read to. It is a Catholic allegory. Yeah, there is... I mean, I'm just talking, like, vocabulary-wise. They're not going to be prepared to deal with that book. They're not going to go with a uh, what a what was the candy from the beginning? Uh, uh, Turkish delight. Turkish delight. They're going to be like, mommy, what's a Turkish delight? What's turkey, mommy? What's a delight? Does that mean good? That's not the kind of book you read to a child. They're also bad books, so don't read them, and they're really terrible. Uh, also, Aslan is just Jesus. Aslan is just Jesus. Yeah, also, also, you said it before. Go ahead and say it again. Means lion. <laughs> He just took the word for lion and made that its name. I oh, knew exactly also, I knew exactly what you were gonna say because we have had this conversation before. He also acknowledged that he did that in a letter. He was like, This is a cool word, and he was like, This is gonna be my name for lion. <laughs> to be fair, it's not the worst name for a lion. Oh, that makes me think of another thing. Okay, fuck this whole book. We're just gonna chat now. Uh, because we're having fun. Uh I have you, did you ever read the Redwall series of books when you were no. a child? So, uh, Brian Jacques. I did read the Chronicles of Narnia, and I did like the Chronicles of Narnia, to be fair. I guess it's fine when you're a kid, whatever. Uh, but this was a series of books written by, I think it's pronounced Brian Jacques, but it's spelled Jacques. I think yep. it's just Jacques, though. Uh, and it was based around a, a monastery, but all the characters were animals. And, like, the okay. hero characters were mice. Um, and there were also rabbits. And the rabbits were all portrayed as British. Okay. And... They, the thing that the rabbits always said was A-E-H, comma, W-O-T. And I had no idea how that was supposed to sound until I met and started spending time with you. Because now I know exactly how that sounds. <laughs> how does it sound, Kevin? Hey, what? Hey, what? Yeah, hey, it's what? exactly like that. Hey, that's what, what it is. Yeah, yeah. And now I know. Anyways, go read the Redwall books. I remember them being <laughs> all right. Uh, read them to your kids. Those ones you can't. Well, actually, there's a lot of murder in those books. <laughs> Because they fight a lot. There's a lot of fighting and blood and murder. Maybe they're for preteens. We'll see. Anyways, Benedict, why don't, what were we doing? Is there a book I, in front of me? That, have... that, is this a book I see before me? No, it is a fucking <laughs> dagger to my heart. But then he tells us about how he's reading to his kids about King Arthur and his knights. Mm. Great. A famously horny bunch, by the way. Just like... I mean, that story literally ends with one of the most trusted knights fucking the queen. Yeah. And that causing everything to basically crumble. That's... I mean, come on, man. Uh, I I would imagine he's reading them a children's book about King Arthur, but that's... that's But as we do know, one of his children is a, a master 
car smith car designer yep <laughs> something like sure. car smith but he that says little... about arthur even arthur is a servant a vassal in a sense he is to serve camelot and god and when he forgets that in the later cycle of legends his reign breaks and camelot with it camelot is the throne that he creates like mm-hmm. he's not servant camelot is there to serve him Mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah man has a need to serve something other than himself psychologists counsel that to achieve healthy personal integration a man's ego needs an object outside itself to venerate do they oh, well the two weirdos he cites for this point do but i will point out a one of them not even a psychologist as a matter of fact is just a theologian um and writes really weird books that i'll tell you about in a second uh the okay. other one yeah, appears to have never taught anywhere, but might have an undergrad degree in psychology. Cool. Appears to be what these two guys are. I don't know because neither of them are very well documented online, but Josh found some guys who supported some weird shit he wanted to say. Awesome. I shouldn't have to point out to everyone that, that you know, the ego isn't a thing. Carl Jung and Freud were just sort of making stuff up while they were yep. really high. They were both really high all the time. <laughs> Cocaine was, was legal back then. Uh, and so all the ego and all that kind of stuff, it's all just sort of made up and sounds good, but it doesn't mean anything. But these two guys uh, who he's citing here for this citation, Citation 8, uh, the book that he is citing to, I did think this was a really great title for a book, though. Uh, Robert Moore and Douglas Gillette, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover, Rediscovering the Archetypes of the Mature Masculine. It sounds like a sex tip book for older people. So, I, um, he takes those as title inspirations, as chapter Yes, he does! Yes, yeah. I think that's where he might have gotten part of it. That might be where he got part of it. But let me tell you uh, about these other guys. If you just look them up on Amazon, they have 17 titles, uh, or at least uh, one of them does, Robert Moore. Most of them written with Douglas Gillette. They are mm-hmm. mostly rehashing of the same thing. Uh, but some of the other ones include uh, The King Within, Assessing the King in the Male Psyche. Uh, the Magician and the Analyst, other examples. And then, of course, my favorite, The Lover Within, a- accessing the lover in the male psyche. We always like to have a lover within. It's the same bullshit. He's just writing this same bullshit. Different books that are just taking a piece of this one book that apparently sold decently has like 4,000 Amazon reviews for mm. the King, Warrior, Magician, Lover one. The cool. other ones are always like, others are like 10. 15 so nobody nobody really seems to care about these two guys but like i said they had a weird quote that josh liked anyway skipping down um he does briefly say or at least tip the hat to like well we shouldn't like be dicks to other people Mm. but he fails to realize that the portion of masculinity that is criticized by the liberals or the left is that is all you guys are to other people, yeah. always being dicks to other people, yeah. right? He says, quote, To be clear, the Bible rebukes men who would use their power in life to dominate, demean, or belittle. No citations to what part of the Bible Having he's talking Having also previously about in the, uh, the chapter said God gave dominion. And dominion, mm-hmm. again, is the same root as dominate. Yeah. Now, also, like I said, no citations to any portion of the Bible that would support that proposition because there's a whole lot of... Um, warlords in the bible who were the good guy i'm not sure where he's getting that from but that brings us to the final subsection of the chapter of this week benedict the journey of manhood which 
really doesn't matter, and we probably don't really need to actually. Oh, did we do the Plato part? Did you want to talk about the Plato part? I don't or the really. Greeks or Romans? I, we're we're over an hour. I'm Skip done. Skip it. I think. Uh, but the journey of manhood. It, it doesn't really matter. It begins, the Adam story is the story of a man and his possibilities. And also, famously, the story of a man who fails. And also, the story of a man who probably jerked off. Because people always jerked off. People have always, I mean, go back to the beginning of time, people have jerked off. Uh, but he didn't have porn. And that's what matters. No porn. I sure. just made this part of the chapter Except those, much, those much more entertaining. Stone tablets. <laughs> I forgot the Romans did have porn. They had I so said much to you. porn. They had so much porn. Uh, so he says something about Marx not liking the Bible, blah, blah, blah. But he says, quote. Marx was right about Marx, the Bible. As being, it turns out, Marx yep. was right about the Bible. But Marx didn't read closely enough. He did not understand the true claims of the Bible. Uh-huh. No Again, true Bible reader. From like, the type of people who tell you that, oh, all you need to do is read the Bible and the words are right there on the page. It's plainly understandable. Uh, we all we all could just read it and it'll uh, tell us exactly what it means. There's no need for interpretation or certainly not Josh's weird backward-ass creation of new interpretations. None of that going on. Continuing. Uh, Genesis is not content to tell a story about the past. The Bible tells us about the here and now. It carries a message for our lives as men today. So you read it there. Uh, the Bible is teaching us to throw bloody foreskins at gods. Stories for the here and now, Benedict. Stories for the... Also, uh, some decent donkey dick jokes. So, you know, there's that in there, too. Please just finish the content. <laughs> <laughs> Getting towards the end. Here he says, quote, To be a man as the Bible defines it is to acquire the character of a husband and father, a warrior and a builder, a priest and a king. So yes. Coincidentally, the names of his future chapters. Basically taken that book and added like what, two other ones on there? I don't think priest or builder were there before. Yeah. He's basically just added those ones on there. He's taken out lover because his wife has had a word. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. In the pages that follow, I take up each of these qualities and each of these roles in turn, with the aim of learning how to be what the Bible invites men to be, and what that might mean for our lives, our families, and our nation. This invitation, if we take it, leads us to a kind of manhood that is not defensive or strident or anxious about itself, unlike some today, whose defense of manhood sounds shrill and shot through with fear. Yeah, that's the toxic masculinity like, we're talking about. I was going to say, Josh, you mean like you, desperately yeah, defending manhood here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For those who take this strident tone, manhood involves a kind of rigorous bro code that has to be followed in all times and in all places. If you can't drive a forklift, deadlift 300 pounds, or sleep with the prom queen, you're not a real man. That's Josh... That's true. That's the first correct thing he said in the whole book. No, I'm kidding. The fact that he's recognized that that exists and doesn't understand that that's that he's what part of the problem. Yeah, the problem is, I it's it's baffling to me. But yeah, he's gonna tell us about all the Bibles, blah blah blah. But I will, as I always do, read the final two paragraphs this time of the chapter, which go quote: There is a paradox here. Adam's failure in the garden is what launches the story forward, out of Eden and on towards us. And yet each of the later Adam-like figures we will encounter fails too, in one respect or another. None can fully shoulder his mandate. None is perfect. Maybe that is a warning. Or maybe it is cause for hope. How? It's not. I don't, I, Keep going. He don't didn't bother to explain. As the Bible tells and retells the Adam story, certain constants emerge. There will be hardship and trial, setbacks and pain. 
But perfection, in the end, is not the point. To be a man is to realize that we are, each of us, imperfect. We are wounded and flawed. We are dependent for our significance on something outside ourselves. Nope. There is no cause for shame, for in recognizing our need, we do what Adam would not. We embrace humility, we accept the call to serve, and we open our lives to the possibility of transformation. The success of man's life turns out to depend not finally on the man. It depends on the God he serves. End of chapter four of this fucking bullshit. And when we return to it, we will be moving into part two. It is actually divided into two parts. Yep. Why, I could not tell you. Part two, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. <laughs> Tinker Taylor Soldier Lover. Huh? <laughs> huh? Was there sex in that movie? I didn't see it. No. Can I be honest here? I never saw Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. I didn't good. actually see it. But I know jokes about it because it sounds yeah. funny. And Benedict, um, did we uh, did we learn anything this week? No. <laughs> wow, you're just willing to be done. Forcefully, no. <laughs> I mean, I think... Josh is a champion rower who rode for 10 <laughs> seconds. That's it. That's that, is the it, it, that one shines a specific light for me on the desperation uh, he has to come up with uh, new stories for each of the beginnings of these chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because when Hopefully you have to dig that, that deep and be like, I, you know, I was a rowing coach for four months. For like when, a minute. When you have to go that deep, it really is like, oh boy, you don't have anything to talk about, do you? You're kind of just a weird little guy. You're just, just a, weird a weird little, little guy. Dude, yeah. Anyways, Benedict, thank you all for listening. We hope you uh, enjoyed the show. Remember, if you just can't get enough of us, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash NYGBC and become a patron for as little as $1 an episode for patron-only episodes, shout-outs on the show, early releases of our episodes, and more. As always, we have to give a shout out to our wonderful and amazing patrons, Sam Walsh, Right Wing Cruelty Isn't a Bug, It's a Feature, Dan L., Jamie Fritz, Peace Teach, Dr. Milminian Lenlilium Swinwamley, The Ghost of Larry Nichols, Jacob Johnson, Danny Rosari, pause for the eh, eh, eh. New Buildings Are a Globalist Conspiracy, Carrie Conrison, Bobo D. Bear, Chili, Madeline Zachary Wilson Fetro, Stephen DeBoe, Tori and the Gallant, Shadow Princess vs. the Rector Wolves. Sean Sullivan, Lauren S. I'm going to make my name as long as possible. Sorry, not sorry, Kevin. Oh, Benedict, what art thou, bright spot? It can be oh, rowing. Yes. You can say yeah, rowing. <laughs> rowing. Flack Weasel, Kieran Dackler. Join us next week when our guest will be Mike Hawk. See, when I read that last week, I didn't realize what it was. I didn't realize yeah, what it, it was. It's a kissing the cocks joke. I didn't realize what it was until I went back and did the edit and heard myself say it. <laughs> It'll be Michael Hawk. <laughs> <laughs> Henry Lewis King Jr., Sarah Wolf, Aaron Burke, Megan A. Dooley, Gloria Scott, Clifton Stuckey, Pause, A Restless Native, A Baby, Wah, Veronica Forker, Melissa C., George Saulnier, Stefan, It's Pronounced Quokka, Utah Outcast, Utah, Utah, Utah Outcast, mate, yeah, <laughs> Dave Barwick, Chris Palmer, Bad Bible Stitches, Mockingbird Nation, Bacaw, Benjamin Carlisle, Allison, Megan Ruth, Glowrung the Deceiver, Biggie Z Blasphemy, Jay Reynolds, Deep breath, Stephen and Cindy Dimmick, Taro Tacanon, and Balls Watterson. Thank you all as always for being our patrons. That's it for this week's show. Till next week, Mike Cock. Goodbye. Bye.
The Not Your Grandmother's Book Club podcast is a production of Kevin and Benedict Productions. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. Music for this podcast is by Silverman Sound Studios. Find out more at silvermansound.com.